Hosea 2, 14. And now, here's what I'm going to do. <laughs> like, you think that he's mad. He's like, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to start all over again. Anybody thankful that you serve the God of new beginnings? Anybody thankful that you get a second chance today? I want to tell you in your home today, you woke up to fresh mercy. You didn't wake up to mercy from five years ago or five months ago. No, you woke up to a new beginning today. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. You get a fresh start. I'm going to start all the way back over again. I'm taking her back out into the wilderness where we had our first date and I'll court her. God's saying, I'm taking you back to where we first began, where we first fell in love. Never be afraid of going back to where God first found you. He says, I'm taking you back to that, again, it's Chick-fil-A, first date stuff, okay? He said, I'll court her. I'll give her bouquets of roses. I'll turn Heartbreak Valley into acres of hope. She'll respond like she did as a young girl. Those days when she was fresh out of Egypt. I'll, I'll turn, go back. I'll turn Heartbreak Valley into acres of hope. Only God can do stuff like this. He can take Heartbreak Valley and turn it into acres of hope. I don't know what you've gone through this last year and a half. I don't know what your life looks like. Maybe you feel like you've been living in Heartbreak Valley. But we serve the God that can take Heartbreak Valley. And right from where you're standing, he can turn it around into acres of hope. Only our God can do stuff like this. See, some of you, when I start talking about heartbreak, you're like, mm-hmm, preach it. I've been through some heartbreaks. And I haven't just gone through, like, breakups. I've gone through heartbreak stuff, like medical conditions, divorce. I've been backstabbed. I've been betrayed. I've been abused and abandoned. Maybe your heartbreak, nobody even knows how devastating or how decimated you feel today. Maybe you are in the midst of heartbreak. But one of the things I love about God is that whenever God sees heartbreak, he always tries to fill, fill in your heart with hope. In fact, the Bible literally says hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when the hope is realized, it's sweet to the soul. So when you realize, wait, I can put my hope in God. I want to tell you where your hope comes from today. Your hope does not come from what you see. Your hope does not come from what you feel. Your hope does not come from your gift, your talent, or your work ethic. No, the Bible says my hope is in the name of the Lord. I'll tell you what God's going to do today. He's going to take you from heartbreak valley. And he's going to turn to Hindu. I love this. Acres of hope. And we're going to get this in just a moment, but this speaks to the, to the grandiose of God, the, the extraordinary nature of his lavish generosity. He doesn't bring you into a sliver of hope. He brings you into an acre of hope. I was watching the match this last week. You know, Bryson DeChambeau, great name. <clears throat> and, um, and Aaron Rodgers versus Phil Mickelson and Tom Brady, the, the beloved, the, the villain Tom Brady. I say villain because I'm a Seahawks fan and we were on the one-yard line. We almost went back-to-back Super Bowl champions, but we didn't because we threw an interception. Anyways, no, another message for another day, Heartbreak Valley. <laughs> and he was, they were asking him, hey, Tom, can you believe you came back from 23 to 8? 
Like, that's crazy, man. He's like, I know, even today, when the game's on, if, it, if I'm ever passing by the TV and it's on, I got to sit down and watch the plays again. But I was thinking as Tom was rehearsing 23-8 to 8 and the comeback, you just had to give him a little sliver of hope. Just just a, a, a long rush or, or, or a throw down the field or an interception. Just a sliver of hope. No, what I love about God, God doesn't want to give you a sliver of hope. He wants to give you acres of hope. He wants to open up your eyes and see, no, 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 I am a God that is for you. I am a God that is with you. And when I give hope, I don't give you a little measure. No, I'm the God that does exceedingly, abundantly, far above anything you can ask, anything you can think or imagine. I don't give little, little like condo hope. I give acres of hope. We were for the 4th of July. We went and saw Julia's parents and we were having a great time. I mean, Julia's parents go, it's the, it's the best holiday they do the 4th of July. And, and so we did, you know, the, the, the potato sack races and the pie eating contest and the water balloon tosses and the tug of war. They go all out in the, in, in the, my father-in-law has a barn people. We turned the barn into a party and we were sitting there and I was looking at Julia's uh, father's, you know, ranch. I said, how many, how many acres does this man have? And, and you know, I thought it was acres. She's like, it's 2.5 acres. But coming from LA, that's a football field. I was like, 2.5 acres. 2.5 acres. See, some of you are in a valley called heartbreak. And God wants to transition you today into acres of hope. Where there's space to realize God's plan and God's goodness and God's dream. And he wants to touch the heartbreak of your life. Life is cruel. Life has a propensity of touching everybody. Life will mess with you. That's why I get excited that my hope is in heaven. This world is not my home. This world has nothing to offer me. I like the last thing the Bible says in Revelation 22. The spirit of the church says, come quickly. This world is not my home. This world is filled with disappointments. It's filled with delays. It's filled with setbacks. It's filled with all kinds of heartache. No, no, no. When I get my eyes on Jesus, I'm filled with the hope of the promise of everlasting life. I'm filled that God is with me even in this midst of the valley. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for your rod and your staff. They comfort me. What do they comfort me with? Acres of hope. Oh, I just love this about God because some of you have been wondering, why am I going through the valley? You're going through the valley because we live on earth. There is sickness here. There is famine here. There is earthquake here. There is devastation here. There is human behavior here. There is air of your own sin here. But I don't have to stay in the valley of despair, in the valley of heartbreak. No, I can walk, come on, in acres of hope. Oh, watch this. I love this so much. Look at Psalm 30, verse 5. For his anger is but for a moment. His favor is for life. Weeping may endure for a night. But joy comes in the morning. God is saying, I don't want you to stay in Heartbreak Valley. Weeping can endure for a night, but you got to get some joy in the morning. You got to get some joy in the morning. You got to be filled with heart that is filled with hope. I want to preach a message today. Write down the title. It's called Heartbreak Hotel. You ever stay in a bad hotel before? Come on, ministry center. You ever stay in a bad hotel? 
You ever stay in a hotel room, you you know, the key uh, goes off, you open the door, you, it turns green, you open the door, you walk in, you're like, babe, we're not staying here. We're not, you walk in, you, even though you're like, we're not staying here, you walk in just to peruse and look around. It's like, it's like there's stains on the wall. The bed just makes you feel uncomfortable. Like, I don't know, did I just, I don't feel, I don't feel right staying here. Something's wrong in this bedroom. Something, there's, there's, there's spirits up in this mug. There's, there's, there's spiders up in this mug. The TV don't work. The, it's just, it's just, you go to the bathroom. You're like, this is, this was clean. This is clean. Who cleaned this bathroom? This is, this, this is not okay. I can't stay in the heartbreak hotel. All of us have had our heart broken. I'll never forget when the doctor sat down with Julie and I and gave us the diagnosis for Georgia. All of us have faced heartbreak. We have gone through heartbreak financially. We have gone through heartbreak relationally. We have gone through, through heartbreak through our own failures and mistakes. We all know what heartbreak hotel looks like. My problem is some of you, it was, should have been a hotel that you ran from, but you ended up becoming a residency of this hotel. And you begin to think, I deserve this hotel. I'm no much better than this hotel. This is what I did. This is what I deserve. This is what my family's always been in. My dad lived at Heartbreak Hotel. My mom camped up at Heartbreak Hotel. I, 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 all my mistakes have landed me at Heartbreak Hotel. Who told you that God didn't have a plan to raise you from the dead and give you the same spirit that raised Christ? Who told you that you deserve? No, no, no. I love the Bible. Romans 8, chapter, chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Because I have Jesus, I get the acres of hope. Because I have Jesus, I get what I don't deserve. Because I have Jesus, I can lift my eyes to the mountains. I know where my help comes from. My help comes from you, the maker of heaven and earth. Come on, put in the chat today that you are grateful for a God that wants to give you hope. See, the problem for most of us, we don't even know what hope looks like. I want to tell you that you, th there's only three things that remain in your life, and it's faith, hope, and love. F faith for today and hope for tomorrow. L listen, you got to understand about your life. Faith is the builder of your life, but hope is the architect. You need the architect. You need the dreamer. You need the planner. You need the one that says there's legacy. There's future. There's children. There's grandchildren. There's impact. There's something. You were made by greatness. You were made for greatness. You need hope to infuse that. Faith for today and hope for tomorrow. Oh, I love this. If you, if you don't know how much I believe in hope, the first book I ever wrote that was published because you know your boy did it self-published one day. That's in the garage, okay? But the first published book I wrote was called Unreasonable Hope. Because when you face Heartbreak Hotel, you got to realize that hope is unreasonable. Hope has this swagger. Hope has, by definition, confident expectation. Hope says, no, 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 no. I'm not going by what I see, feel, or smell. I'm going by faith. And faith is going to build my life, but hope is going to dream my life. Oh, I love this quote. We put it in the book. Watch this. It says, we can live 40 to 50 days without food, eight to nine days without water, four minutes you can go without air, but only a few seconds without hope. 
So you're not going to make it if you don't have hope. You, let me say it in Spanish. You're not going to make it without hope. If I knew how to speak Spanish, I would have dropped it right there. How do you say hope in Spanish? Esperanza? Esperanza. But you're not going to make it without hope. And God knows it. You can only last a certain amount of days without food or without water, seconds without air. But when there's no hope, you just post up at Heartbreak Hotel and you say, I deserve it, I earn it, I'm not that good, I'm, I made a mistake. I'm, as if you are defined by your sin or your mistake. The enemy wants to hold you hostage to your behavior. And God wants to hold you in the grip of his grace. And when you're in the grip of his grace, you realize, oh, wow. How much land does my father have? He's got acres of hope. What, what, what is hope? What, what, let's define hope. I want to just give you some definitions there. Read on your screen, whether you're on a tablet or a, a phone or you're, you're on the, the plasma. Watch this. This is, this is what hope is. Hope is not an optimistic outlook or wishful thinking. It is the sense of confident expectation based on solid certainty. So there's certainty here. There's certainty that God is in control. There's certainty of the finished work of the cross. There's certainty that the scriptures are true and I can bank my life on the Bible. There's, cer- there's certainty of heaven. I'm certain heaven is real. There's certainty that all of God's promises are yes and amen for my life. I've got solid certainty. All of this biblical hope rests on God's promises. So certain is the future of the redeemed that the Bible sometimes speaks of future events in the past tense. Oh, as though they were already accomplished. So sometimes, listen, the future of the redeemed, that's me and you. And by the way, the Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. So the future of the redeemed is so certain that the Bible speaks of things that have yet to happen as though they already did happen. See, God's trying to give you hope. That he's like, I'm already going to build that business. I'm already going to have kids. I'm al- it's already happened. That's when you got faith and hope. Oh, I love this. Keep reading in the definition. Look at the third one. Faith is the present possession of grace. But hope is confidence in grace's future accomplishments. Come on. I love that one. Here's the last one. Four. We know the hope of future blessings will not turn out to be false. Let me just pause there. You've got a hope in future blessings. What are the promises God's put in your heart? What are the promises of God's word? When you got hope, you got hope in future blessings. No, 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 not past blessings. Not what God's doing just right here today. But some of you need to understand what hope does. Hope fast forwards five years. Hope fast forwards 10 years. Hope will fast forward decades into the future and give you promises, give you things God stores up in your heart. Hope knows that these will not be false promises. Well, why is that? Look at this last part. Because the Holy Spirit gives evidence in our hearts of God's great love for us. So in other words, what the Bible's teaching us is the way that I know that hope is not a liar and not a cheater is because the Holy Spirit lavishes God's great love in my heart and I am comforted knowing all of these things I can't see and I don't have yet, but in hope I believe. The Holy Spirit lavishes his love 
upon us so that we can walk hope-filled lives. I'm praying that Zoe Church, people walk around us, they go, man, that's a faith church, but that's a hope church. They got hope in the future. They got hope in the next generation. They got hope in ZLC and Zoe Youth and the Zoe Kids. They got hope in Zoe Youth. Everything they're building right there, they're, they're a hopeful people. You remove the hope, you remove all the excitement. You remove the hope, you, you, you remove all the thrill. Because when you're in Heartbreak Hotel, this is where we're going to be forever. When you feel with hope, who knows what God's going to do? Oh, I want to tell you to write down three things today. Here's the first one. God will bring present hope in the place of past pain. God will actually bring the hope to you in the Heartbreak Hotel. How is God going to bring present hope in the place of past pain? Well, you got to understand the context here of Hosea chapter 2, verse 15. Because God said, I'll bring in the valley of heartbreak, I'll bring acres of hope. Well, this valley of heartbreak is actually found in Joshua chapter 7, where God actually says to Joshua, hey, amongst the tribes of Israel, somebody stole something. Somebody messed with something. Somebody, some, there's some, some foul activity. Bring all the tribes of Israel out here, and let's find out who messed up. So Joshua's diligent before God. He brings out every tribe. Did you do something? Did you do something? God brought out Achan. And he says, Achan, did you do something? Achan's like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I I stole. It's my bad. I know God told us not to. This is my fault. So Joshua's like, silence. No more. They go into his tent. They find everything he stole. They bring it out. And right there, watch Joshua chapter 7, verse 26. It says, then all Israel stoned him. And after they had stoned the rest, they burned them. Over Achan, they heaped up a large pile of rocks, which remains to this day. Then the Lord turned from his fierce anger, and therefore that place has been called the Valley of Acre ever since. Here in this translation, the Valley of Heartbreak. And God is saying, where Achan messed up, I'm going to turn it around into acres of hope. The place of his sin. Some of you got to understand, God wants to use you in your home where you messed up. He wants to use you in your marriage where you made a mistake. He wants to use you in your workplace where you ruined your reputation. God's not going to send you to Africa. He's going to use the place that has past pain for future blessing. He's going to use the place that has heartbreak for hope. Come on, somebody clap in the chat and thank God in your home. He's not going to move you to a different place in the same place. I just love this about God because God's going out. I'm not going to send you on a mission trip. I'm going to send you on a mission trip to your neighborhood. I'm going to send you on a mission trip to your home, to your relationships. And the place of past pain is going to be filled with future hope. I was, uh, I was recently preaching out in Memphis, Tennessee. I love Memphis, Tennessee, by the way. Shout out to the ribs in Memphis. And uh, I was at this great conference, and I was meeting some of the pastors that were at this conference. And this guy was big personality. I really enjoyed meeting this guy. And he's from Massachusetts. He has a church in Massachusetts. And so they were telling me about this guy's story. And we sat down together. And I was like, I heard you've got a crazy test. Tell me about your story. He says, I got a crazy story. He's like, I was running drugs in this area of Massachusetts. I was crushing it. I did really good until I got caught. I went to prison for a number of years. And in prison, some chaplain came through and I got saved. Well, I don't know what happened to the chaplain, but after being with us for a while, he left and there was nobody to fill in. He said, so I started doing the Bible studies twice a week. 
So twice a week, I started to preach. I became a preacher and a study of God's word in prison. He said, when I got out of prison, I just felt like I got to start a church. I love leading God's people and all that God used me to do in prison. So God, he's like, God, where do you want me to go? And God said, I want you to go back to your hometown. And he said, God, I'm not going back to my hometown. Everybody knows my name there. Everybody knows what I did there. Everybody knows who I am there. I can't start a church back in my old town. God said, no, 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 no. You're going to go back to your hometown and you're going to start a church because the place that was past pain, I'm going to turn into acres of hope. And now this mighty man of God has a flourishing, impactful ministry because God turned Heartbreak Hotel into Acres of Hope. Somebody clap today. God's going to use you where you're at. He's not trying to take you somewhere else. He's saying, no, right here and right now. I can redeem your brokenness in the place that you are. I don't need to move you 3,000 miles. I don't need to move you to a different church. I don't need to move you into a different person. No, I will use you where you are. Right where you are, be where you are. The big time is where you're at. And if you'll allow God, he'll take the place of past pain and he'll turn it around. Write down number two today. God is turning things around. Oh, I love this about God. He's always turning stuff around. He, said he, he, he does this with people. He, he, the, the prodigal son, he went and left God. God turned his heart back around. God always turns things around. Remember, what the enemy intended for harm, the Lord will turn around and use it for the good. God, God is a turning God. He turns things. He turns my mourning into dancing. He, he turns my delay into destiny. He, he turns my hardship into hope. This is God. God turns stuff. Watch what the Bible says about God. God always does this. He says, Isaiah 43, do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. God's saying, I'm going to turn this desert into a river. I'm going to turn this sadness into dancing. Look, look at this next scripture. Uh, uh, Psalm 30, 11. You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have put off my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness. God is always trying to turn your mess into a message. He's taking your pain and turning it into a platform. He's taking your test and making it a testimony. He's the God that turns stuff around. Put it in the chat today. If God has turned around your reputation, turned around your life, and turned around your future. See, some of you are like, I was having a good time until God turned me around. I'll never forget for me, I was, you know, 16 years old. I was in the, in, the, in the kingdom, and I've told this story many times, but it's my testimony when God turned me around. The definition of repentance is not crying. It is turning around. It is making a 180. You ever get to a stoplight, and it says up there, no U-turn, and you just pretend like you don't see it? Like if the cop pulls me over, he's like, oh, well, I, didn't, I didn't see that. God is clearly saying, you turn. I'm turning your, your mind around. I'm turning your life around. I'm turning your perspective. I'm turning your attitude. I'm turning your rebellious nature. I'm turning your heartbreak hotel into acres of diamonds. I'm a God that turns. 
see, the problem for most of us is we think we've got to turn ourselves around. But it's always God that's turning stuff around. Watch another promise. This is Isaiah 61. This is one of my favorite scriptures. To console those who mourn in Zion. To give them, to turn beauty into ashes. The oil of joy for mourning. He'll turn the spirit of heaviness into a garment of praise. That they may be called trees of righteousness. How about for today? That they might be called trees of hope. Trees of life. Trees of future. I don't know how cruel life has been to you, but I felt like telling somebody today, the best is yet to come. I felt like telling somebody, put your head on a swivel and look. He turned your heartbreak into hope and it's acres of it. It's not just, it's not, you don't got this little plot of land. You, you ever be to somebody's house? Maybe you live in one of these houses, but me and Julia had a house like this. It's like, it was like our house and somebody else's house. And it was like, we just, like, when we were doing the dishes, they were doing the dishes. You just looked at each other doing the dishes. Maybe you feel like, there's no space. I don't deserve space. God's like, no, 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 no. For I know the plans I have. They're plans to prosper you, to give you a hope and a future. But you're over here in Heartbreak Hotel like, no, not me, not the, not the right last name, not the right lineage, not that talented, not that good, not that godly, not, no, God, I'm not enough, I'm not, no, 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 stop listening to the naysayer within you. Stop listening based upon what you deserve. You don't get what, what God has for you because of your behavior. You get what God has for you based on your belief. And God says, I'm turning things around, and I'm going to use the place of pain as the place of promise, and I'm going to do things in you. Come on, somebody thank him today in the chat. Somebody go wild in the chat today and just receive it for your life. It's We're moving from Heartbreak Hotel to acres of hope. And when God does this stuff, when God starts to bring hope into your life, I want to tell you how he does it. God does this stuff. He does these powerful displays of hope where he'll bring into your life faith, hope, and love. Faith, hope, all that remains in your life is faith, hope, and love. Faith for today, hope for tomorrow, and love for God and love for his people. That's all you need. What do I need in my life? Faith, hope, and love. That's all I need. Faith for today, hope for tomorrow, and love for God and his people. How hard is life? It's not hard. Faith, hope, and love. These three things remain, and the most important of all these is love. We don't worship faith and we do not glorify hope. They're just the byproduct of allowing God to love me. I get faith and hope. So you have faith for today and hope for tomorrow. And I'm filled with love for God and love for his people. Faith, hope, and love. How does God give love into your life? How does he pour out his hope? How does, how does God breathe hope into you? How do you go from Heartbreak Hotel into a world of hopefulness. How does this happen in your life? Let me just let me just show you real fast. Let me just let me give you three C's today. This is how God brings hope into your life. The first one that he does is he uses circumstances. He'll use the circumstance that you're currently in to prove to you 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 actually can't solve it yourself. You can't fix it yourself. You you can't change the circumstance that you're in. So I'll use what you're in to bring hope in my power. So a lot of us are like, I'll start to believe and get hope when I see the score change from 23 to 8. And when I see 23 to 8 change, then I'll start to believe 
But Abraham was the opposite. In Abraham, the Bible says God gave him a promise of the future, and he never wavered. And when it looked bleak, and it looked unpromising, and when it looked like it wouldn't happen, the Bible says in Romans 4 that against hope, Abraham had hope. I wonder if God's using the circumstance that you're in to teach you how to be hopeful. He's like, I, I would give anything to get out of this circumstance. I don't like this circumstance. This circumstance is the worst circumstance, and I don't like this circumstance, and this is a bad circumstance, and this is, this is, this is an awful circumstance. And God's saying, nah, instead of changing the circumstance, I'm going to change you. Because I'm using what you're in as a vehicle to breed more hope into your life. So you realize you are not the hope, and the circumstance is not the hope, but my hope is in the name of the Lord. That's why David said, why, why, why are you so downcast, oh, my soul? I, want, I, want, I wish his soul would be like, because of the circumstance. Why are you so downcast, oh, my soul? Then David says, put your hope in God. See, my hope is not in my circumstance. My hope is in the name of the Lord. I'm hopeful with confident expectation. In fact, I can believe with all my heart in the future and the promises of God will come to pass. Why? Not based upon what I see in my circumstance, but based upon who God is. And when I got that kind of hope, it doesn't matter if I'm in the, in the pit with a lion. It doesn't matter whether I'm in a fiery furnace. It doesn't matter whether I'm against the Red Sea. It doesn't matter whether I've got to sacrifice my one and only child. I'm filled with hope because I know God has been with me. He turned my heartbreak hotel into acres of hope. And if he did it back then, he can do it again. Some of you should stop saying, God, change my circumstance and start praying, God, give me hope. You don't need your circumstance to be changed. You need to be changed. I trust God. Faith for today. Hope for tomorrow. And love for God and his people. Here's the second thing that God uses. Write down. I love this one. He uses community. So he uses people. God will use people in your life to breed hope into your heart. We, we said last week, if you missed last week, we talked about the thing that the enemy uses to hurt you is the same thing that God uses to help you. The enemy and God are both using people. And when God's people get involved in your life, they breathe hope into you. They build hope into you. They can see a hopeless friend or a, a, a hopeless spouse, a hopeless widow. They, your friends become like the good Samaritan when you're stuck in a ditch and, and you're not doing well and you feel like you're a heartbreak hotel. Your friends, your connect group people, the people at Zoe come alongside and they say, no, no, let me give you what you don't have right now. I've got hope to help you. I've got hope for you. And I was sitting with a friend this last week and he starts pouring out his heart of what he's going through and everything he's facing and it and he starts crying he's just tears start flowing and he's just being vulnerable and transparent he's just burying his soul and i'm telling you something came up in me we were sitting at a restaurant i wanted to just grab him by the shoulder and start praying in jesus name and i started to just i looked at him and said listen listen like he was one of my children and i started just quoting scripture over him, reminding him God's plan. I said, no, 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 no. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Lord will raise a standard against him. And what I was looking at is a friend who had lost all hope. Maybe you're watching this. 
by yourself in your bedroom. Maybe you're, you're on a jog right now. Maybe you're, you're sitting there in your living room and you're like, I, I don't have hope for my future. Maybe I believe in Zoe's or yours, but I don't believe in mine. No, God is sending you community to say, no, no, no. God wants to breathe hope into you. And, 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 and I just love Abraham so much because against all odds, he was filled with hope. Worship team, you can come join me. God will breathe hope into you through your circumstance. I'm like, wait, wait, God's using my, yeah. Because he's actually going, I know that you're in the valley of heartbreak. I can see that you're in the valley of heartbreak. Are you done being in the valley of heartbreak? Because when you're ready, I'll bring you into acres of hope. God is a gentleman and he will never force you to do something you don't want to do. But if you allow him today, right now, he can transport you by the power of his outstretched hand and bring you in to acres of hope. He'll use your circumstance like he did for Jonah. Jonah rebelled. Jonah goes the opposite way. Maybe you've rebelled. Maybe you've made conscience decisions to go against God's will. And God sent a circumstance to Jonah. Maybe God sent a circumstance to you. Did God do it out of his wrath and anger, sending a whale to capture Jonah? It was his mercy. It was his love. That while he was captured and enclosed in the whale, God was speaking to Jonah. Are you ready to trust? You ready to preach? You ready to be used? You ready for my plan? God will use your circumstance. Maybe you feel like, man, I've been stuck in this hotel room. This thing is nasty. It's stinky. I don't want to use the toilet. I don't want to, I don't feel comfortable here. You weren't made to live in Heartbreak Hotel. You were made for space. God's all about trying to get space into your life. Extend the tent peg, God says. He set my feet on a solid rock. He don't place me in hardship. No, the Bible says in Psalm 23, yea, though I walk through the valley, but how about he leads me by still waters. He leads me into green pastures. He leads me into acres of hope. So he'll use your circumstance. He'll use your community to build hope. Some of you are like, I don't want to pick up the phone. I don't want to text anybody back. I don't want to go back to church. I don't want to be in a connect group. I don't want to serve in a ZST. And everybody's like, no, no, no. We love you. We're for you. We're with you. We're still here. We're still, we still rolling. We're still your friend. We still love you. And you're like, leave me alone. I'm in the heartbreak hotel. I don't want to pick up the phone. I just want to binge watch Netflix. And God's like, no, I'm sending people your way to build hope into you. So he'll use circumstance. He'll use community. And he'll use change. Wait, 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 hold on. Change? Yeah, yeah, God actually wants you to change. Isn't that crazy? Because some of us are like, I just wish he would just come pick me up in the God Uber and come up the stairs and pick me up and take me into the car and, and then just drive me to Acres of Hope. And God's like, oh, that's not the way it works. You need to do some changing. 
which is the definition of repentance, of admitting, God, I've been living in this place, and I make the conscious decision to change. So by my own merit, I'm getting up out of the pig pen, and I'm coming back to my father's house because I know there's a place for me. And I don't know what it looks like, but I know there's acres of hope there. I know there's space at dad's house. And I'm not willing to live in this hotel anymore. Some of you need to wake up from the pig pen today. Some of you need to say no to the attack of the enemy that has got you in this place for too long. It's the, you, the, this valley is over. This place of pain and shame is done today. I declare over you in the name of Jesus a fresh wind and a fresh start. I declare thou, O Lord, are the lifter of my head. God is showing you acres of hope. He's breathing it into you. Where does hope come from? It comes from God. God is asking you to change. Change. What does change look like? The first thing that has to change is your mind. Because God can take you out (laughs) of Heartbreak Hotel. But you got to get Heartbreak Hotel out of you. God can bring anybody out of Egypt. But can you get Egypt out of you? So God's saying, I can do my part, but you got to do your part. Ain't nothing worse than somebody that comes to Acres of of Hope and is like, man, you know, back at the hotel, we just got to kick it. Back at the hotel wasn't that good, but at least it was a free breakfast. Back at the hotel, we had Wi-Fi. How come in Acres of Hope, I got to do so much? How come in Acres of Hope, it's this, that, and the other? And blah, blah. No, 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 no. You got to get Heartbreak Hotel out of you. You got to say, God, I rid myself of my old shame and my old ways and my old stinking thinking. I don't want what the world has. I don't want what's, come on, clap in your house today. And thank God, he's bringing circumstance. He's bringing community. He's bringing change. He's bringing changes to your life. And there's changes for the better. It's changes that don't hurt. They're changes that heal. The changes that propel you into the promise. Oh, I just love Abraham because it's not just that he had hope, he had active hope. We don't call him the father of hope, we call him the father of faith because he was a faith man. Oh, faith for today and hope for tomorrow. See, when you start you start walking with Jesus, he gives you faith steps, faith to build your legacy and build your future and build the promise of God. I want to talk to somebody that's saying, I'm sick of the suffering and I'm sick of the valley and I'm sick of this hotel room. Come on, clap in your house today and thank Jesus. I'm getting up out of the valley and into the acre of hope in my life. I'm believing over your life today that by the power of the Holy Spirit, his lavish love will overwhelm you and you will know these promises are not false. And God is my hope. Why are you so downcast, oh my soul? Put your hope in God. I got to be honest with you. I was thinking about this message and I was thinking about the, the message of hope. And I wrote the book. We put it out in 2016. And I don't think I've preached on hope since. Started going back through all my notes of old messages. And I don't think I've preached on hope in years. And I felt like God redug this well for you today. Say, Zoe needs hope. 
somebody that's streaming in right now, you need hope. And maybe God was writing something in 2016 for a message for somebody that needed it today. You need unreasonable hope. It says, I deserve. <laughs> you think Aiken messed up? Stealing some things from a tent? You don't even know the half of it, buddy. What I did. God is saying, I do not treat you as your sins deserve. I do not remember. As far as the east is from the west, I have removed your transgressions from you. I am not the God that keeps score. I am the God of mercy, the God of love, the God of new beginnings. He says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to start over. I'm going to take her out like I used to. I'm going to take her out on a date. And I'm going to wine and dine her. And I'm going to treat her like I just, when I first fell in love. And I'll win her back. I'll woo her back. And I'll take the valley of heartbreak and my girl's going to walk in acres of hope. Maybe that wasn't God just speaking to Gomer or to Israel. Maybe that's God speaking to you today. I'm no longer allowing you to live in heartbreak. I'm allowing you to live in hope. Come on, clap today in your house and thank Jesus that hope is overwhelming us. We got faith for today and hope for tomorrow and love for God and love for his people. Come on, bow your heads. Jesus, we love you today. We thank you that we will not settle for Heartbreak Hotel. We will not leave.